Welcome to I Choose the Road podcast. You understand what I'm trying to say? You could buy us. You can buy us. You cannot take the traveller out of us. Do you understand? It's ingrained. It's in our DNA. Travelling is in our DNA. It's as simple as that. So this song is about London. A rambling man, I'm a rambling man. Now I look behind me, my rambling days are gone. Well, I remember when I was a boy, my freedom, my life stood. Oh, I live like a king. The road was my home, for the road I lived on. Now every road that I go, I'm told to move on. I'd visit every fair, and I'd go to every town. I'd meet all my people, with all the simple dear. We'd deal the whole day through, and we'd sing all night long. Now I look behind me, my rambling days are gone. I'm living in a place, no green fields can I see. There's nothing around me. Only towers of cement. If I could see the future, changes there would be. A rambler I was born, and a rambler I'll always be. I also think. As you may have heard, on Monday the 5th of July, the policing bill had its third reading in the Commons. Due to the Tory party majority, the bill was voted through without any amendments to Section 4, which is the section concerning the criminalisation of trespass and unauthorised encampments. This is obviously devastating news to all of us who campaign against and will be affected by the bill. In more positive news this week, Yesterday saw the Drive to Survive rally take place at Parliament Square. D2S are a GRT coalition, inclusive of new travellers, seeking to fight the discriminatory policies of the Tory government and this bill. Although the rally took place after the bill had been voted through the Commons, there was much positivity, camaraderie and a wide variety of speakers from Romany, Irish and new traveller backgrounds to a Labour MP, a Baroness, representatives from Black Lives Matter, Liberty, the Jewish Socialists, legal professionals, all standing up to condemn the bill, this government and its racist and discriminatory proposals. I was planning to release an episode this week about NFATS Collective, but I've decided to put that on hold and instead put this extra episode together to get us all up to date exactly on where we are with the bill and the parliamentary process and what's happened so far and what there is left to happen before it becomes law. So, 
When we recorded episode one, the bill had just had its second reading in the Commons. The first reading is apparently something of a formality. In the second reading, the bill was debated in Parliament and, although this saw some rousing and support of speeches against the bill from Labour MPs and Green MPs, these were countered by the sort of bigotry, ignorance and prejudice you would expect from the Tories. It was around this time that Sisters Uncut held massive protests and demonstrations about the bill, raising its profile to the extent that the entire process, which the Tories were hoping to rush through Parliament as unnoticed as possible, had to be slowed down, giving more time for discussion, protest and action. After the second reading was the committee stage, in which a smaller group of MPs read and discussed the proposals in more detail, and this was followed by the report stage, which took place last Monday, the 5th of July, in which the amendments put forward ought to have been discussed and considered. The report by the Joint Committee for Human Rights said that, without amendment, this bill is likely to be in breach of Article 8 of the European Convention of Human Rights, respect for private and family life. The Joint Committee put forward a fair few amendments. At this point, we got quite hopeful, as some of the amendments which were put forward were really positive. In terms of Section 4, the section of the bill which affects us as travellers, there were suggestions such as removing the clause where the landowner, where the landowner or agent can trigger the law and criminalise a person trespassing, i.e. only the police would have this power, not a member of the public. And there was also a proposal to add into the bill adequate training for officers to be able to make fair decisions about this. Uh, there were also amendments suggested to ensure that the request is proportionate and that welfare needs are considered, that travellers can only be asked to move if a suitable pitch is available in that area, that only actual damage or distress would cause a trespass to become criminal rather than simply the likelihood of it, to remove custodial sentences as a penalty, that police would not have the power to seize a vehicle if it was a person's home, that would be a real biggie if it had got through. They also suggested that the bill be amended so that the wording was less vague and less open to bias and interpretation. A quote from this report said, the government must take particular care to ensure that its actions do not exacerbate the discrimination that continues to be faced by the Gypsy, Roma and Traveller community. There was also a letter to the Speaker of the House of Commons from the European Commissioner for Human Rights. This also condemned the bill and cautioned against its going into law as it would be in direct contravention with the European Charter of Human Rights. Obviously, a lot of this bill is about the protest element and although I'm not focusing on that in this podcast it is really relevant in the way that the bill affects so many people in the letter they mentioned the protest element of the bill and said the, the effect of protest laws contravenes articles 10 and 11 the commissioner said and this is another direct quote I recall that the right to freedom of peaceful assembly has been recognized as a fundamental right in a democratic society it is a legitimate way to express dissent. In response to the harsh proposals against gypsies and travellers, the letter stated, Gypsy, Roma and traveller communities in the UK are often already in a very marginalised position and frequently subjected to severe prejudice, some of which was unfortunately also evident during the discussions on the bill at the committee stage. 
This marginalisation has been exacerbated by the reduction of socially rented Gypsy Roma and Traveller sites in recent years. While the government can legitimately pursue actions to prevent public disorder, crime or nuisance, these should be clearly circumscribed and any measures taken in this respect should be proportionate and non-discriminatory. I am not convinced that this is the case for the new provisions proposed in the Bill, including in view of their far-reaching consequences, especially as I have been informed that powers to deal with such issues are already available. From this perspective, the provisions in the Bill, in my view, raise serious questions about their compatibility with the UK's obligations under international human rights standards. In this respect, I call on the members of both houses not to accept provisions on the new criminal, criminal offence of trespass, but rather to insist that the government works with affected communities to find appropriate solutions to the question of encampment, including ensuring sufficient availability of public, publicly provided authorised sites and other measures that would facilitate those communities exercising their rights in a manner that is satisfactory for all involved. In the event, third reading, which took place on the same day as the report stage, only started at half past three in the afternoon and barely any discussion of amendments or voting on them took place. From all of those suggestions, only one amendment to do with section four was voted on. This was brought by the chair of the committee, Harriet Harmon, and was to bring back the duty of councils to provide adequate sites for travellers. This was a duty that was repealed in the 1994 Criminal Justice Act. This was, unsurprisingly, voted down. So that was it. Because of Johnson's huge majority, the bill passed by 359 votes to 263. And now what we have left in terms of the parliamentary process is the House of Lords. There will be a first, second and third reading in the Lords as well, a committee stage and amendments, and then it will return to the Commons for a vote on the Lords amendments. This process may not start until after the summer recess of Parliament, so we're still looking at it being the autumn until the bill passes into law. There is some hope that positive amendments can be made to the bill through the House of Lords. There is a history of the Lords making amendments to bills in this way. A lot of the information I've got today to report back to you I've found from speaking with Chris Johnson, the lawyer I spoke to in the first episode. And here he is talking a bit about the effect that the Lords might have on the bill. There's more chance of getting more people stuck into things in the Lords. There's more sympathy yeah. for our cause in the Lords. Um, and there's also more chance of amendments being voted in in mm -hmm. the Lords. So, so it's very common. So some of these amendments that have already been attempted will no doubt come back again in the Lords. Right. Okay. It's very common for it's very common for Lords amendments to then just be reversed because it, it then goes back to the commons for what's called for them to consider the amendments and to do a final consideration of the bill that's the final stage and then they either accept the amendments or throw them out and as i say it's very common for them to throw out lord's amendments they, they, they vote again uh, okay. they vote whether to throw out the amendments and then, and then they vote for the bill 
Uh-huh. And then if it all goes through. Now, the problem is, of course, that has been apparent through the whole thing, and, and which, you know, we know is that the government, it's a government bill uh, introduced by Priti Patel, the Home Secretary. It's got government support. The government have a large majority. And therefore, you know, unless there were lots of Tory rebels, which is unlikely, of course, there are Tories who are sympathetic, but unless there were loads of Tory rebels, then it is unlikely that it is likely that this will get through as it stands, if you follow me. So, though people are doing great campaigning work, though lots of there's lots of sympathetic MPs and uh, members of the House of Lords. It's, it's you know the if, if I was a betting man, I'd say. Um, this will go through as it as it as it stands. You know, I think the best that might happen would be that small amendments which were made in the Lords might be accepted. You know, <laughs> but uh, but I don't think the despite that, yes, despite the, the very strong Joint Committee report, the Joint Committee on Human report, despite the excellent letter from the European Commissioner on human rights. I don't think uh, that's going to work. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, there will be important debates in the Lords. And it's obviously important to to have those debates. And and, um, people are doing great work in them. I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting in the wings, I should mention to you. I think I did mention to you in the podcast yeah, and I've got two clients who are on on our books, and I, as I mentioned to you, we're very happy to hear from anyone else. Uh-huh. And obviously, you know, you know, all the people who are affected. Obviously, people who either have to spend their whole life on the roadside, or quite often are on the roadside. You know, when they're travelling to work, or whether they're going to a festival or a fair or something like that. Um, <coughs> So it can be people in housing as well are affected because they go travelling for part of the year, you know. Yeah. Or people who are on permanent sites and actually have rented pictures, but nevertheless, they go travelling, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's not just people who don't have anywhere to stop, who don't have any authorised place. It's, it's other people as well, you know. Uh. And it can even be people on planning sites. You know, there's people who've bought their own land, they're trying to get planning permission, they haven't yet got planning permission. Because, you know, if they don't get planning permission, they'll have to leave the land, you know. Yeah. And if they leave the land, they'll be back on the roadside. So it affects a lot of people, and we're very happy to hear from more people and kind of sign them up. It needs to be people who are on benefits and would qualify for legal aid or on extremely low incomes, mm-hmm. uh, realistically, because, I mean, individuals that can't afford to take yeah. expensive court cases, you know. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially against the government. To be fair, it isn't a very hopeful message. The parliamentary process is failing us and will ultimately not protect us or our rights as humans and as travellers. Many of us will not be surprised. But as Chris said, there may be some hope of fighting in this in legislation after the fact in the courts. And the fact that the High Court has effectively outlawed wide injunctions on the same grounds that individuals could fight these new laws does give us some hope. 
But for me, the most hope is and was to be found on the streets. What I saw at the Drive to Survive rally on Wednesday was an inspiring collection of what might once have been unlikely allies. Now in an allyship which makes absolute sense. The coalition of Gypsy, Roma, Irish and now new travellers were joined by speakers from all sorts of civil liberties movements. People with courage and knowledge and passion. People who are prepared to take this fight way further than Parliament, way further than the law courts even. No section four. No more section four. No more section four. does nothing to address the needs of our community. It does nothing to address the fact that we die 12 years younger than the rest of the population. It does nothing to address the fact that we've been put into prisons en masse for decades. It does nothing to address the fact that they're criminalizing a form of homelessness. If you want to solve homelessness, provide somewhere for people to fucking live. It's a is a calculated weapon of the state designed to cause trauma, confiscating people's yeah. homes, making them homeless, causes trauma. Can I just say I stand here in solidarity with my brothers and sisters. I stand here with my sister and I say I see you. I feel your pain and no longer, this is not an oppression Olympics. They come for one, they come for all. We stand united in everything we do. We don't have time for any of this. We're not fighting each other. They tried to make us come and fight each other, but they didn't know that we found family with each other. This must stop. There is one race. It is the human race. We will not be divided and conquered anymore. Part four of this bill is not a dog whistle. It is a fog horn. It it is the latest, the latest disgusting example of this government's culture war to divide and conquer people. There is one race, the human race. Solidarity to Wolfgang who said he wanted a voice over there. When that bill comes to the House of Lords and it is almost now, I promise with your help to try and be that voice. Thank you. Solidarity. Kill the bill. what this is. This is a racist, this is an unjust, and this is a bill that needs to be resisted by every single person who calls themselves anti-racist, every single person who calls themselves a human rights defender, and every single person who cares about equality and justice. We want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming. We want to thank you for standing together and we want to tell you this is the summer of discontent. This is day one. We are then going on to Appleby on the 12th of August where we're going to be making a film and showing this on the stage at Appleby with a projector and we're looking for you to come with us and join together in solidarity. We are standing amongst giants, right? And they are amazing people. Courage calls to courage everywhere. You're going to need a lot of courage and a lot of time and a lot of energy if you want to f defeat this bill. You have to draw upon the strength of Mahatma Gandhi, who came up with the concept of Satyagraha, of truth force. The truth is, we're not going into the history books. We're not going anywhere. We are going to persist in existing despite what Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson wants for us.
Standing in Parliament Square, we were standing among giants of social change. As Jake Bowers of the D2S movement pointed out, among statues of Nelson Mandela, Gandhi and suffragette Millicent Fawcett. And it is within our grasp still to make giant social change happen again. If, or perhaps when, this bill passes into law, we do not have to accept it. We do not have to retreat or to give in. The message is that we will need to fight this bill on the streets. We can fight it on the streets with mass mobilisations. We've done it before. They did it with a poll tax. We can do it again. And we can fight it by continuing to live our lives free and on the fringes as we always have done. Contributing to society with our creativity and love. Law is worthless if not enough people obey or support it. A speaker I watched today, Becca Hudson, said a really powerful thing. She said, The mistake this government has made is coming for us all at once. It makes for fertile ground for powerful alliances to be formed. By clamping down on protest, they are coming for the climate activists, the BLM movement, anti-racists, anti-fascists, everyone who already fights for social change. And by coming for the travellers, they are coming for a strong, resilient people who are used to struggle and used to living outside the law. This will be a tough fight, but if we get up and fight it, we can still win. We are the people, the places that we've seen. If we have nowhere to go, who will we be? Please protect my home, please protect my right to roam, lay down your arms and walk with me. We are the people, the places that we've seen, if we have nowhere to go, who will we be? Please protect my home. 